Welcome to the LSAT Habits Podcast, where in each episode we present key habits you can master to study smarter, save time, and raise your LSAT score. I'm your host and instructor, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. So I want to discuss the importance of practicing your techniques untimed first. That's un-U-N, timed, not timed first. So this might seem counterintuitive to some people because, hey, this is a time test. Totally fair. Totally fair. It is a time test. And I by no means would want you to... Um, not appreciate that or not train for that. If you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, I'm a big believer in, especially when you take your PT, replicate the settings, replicate the circumstances. And that includes timed, including the breaks, do the breaks the way you're supposed to do the breaks, just do it all the way it would be the day of the test. And that includes timed. Here's the thing though, you need to master techniques in order to save time and work through this efficiently and effectively. And that means when you first learn a technique, you need to do it untimed first so that you can learn to do it properly. And as a result, more efficiently and effectively when it is timed. So what do I mean by this? Well, think about, you know, again, right? Technique matters. And I want to back this up a little bit. Right, because the reason technique matters is whenever we're doing something, LR, games, RC, we're not, when we want to save time because this is a time test, it's not like in order to do that, we're just going to hustle and move very, very, very fast. I'm just going to speed up my movement, right? Like if I'm running at a, just to give you an example, right? If I'm running at a 10 minute mile, I'm going to really hustle. So it's now at a seven minute mile. I'm just going to move my legs quicker back and forth. Like, it's not like that. Um, Yes, there's an element of hustling, but largely we save time by having superior technique, which is akin to covering more ground in less time by doing things differently and more effectively so that I'm able to get the information I need and process it in less time. I'm going to do things differently. So that way I happen to cover more ground in in less time rather than just trying to hustle, hustle, hustle and move quicker. If that makes any sense. Techniques allow us to do that. And, you know, look, if there's a technique that I could rely on to get a question done in two minutes, there might be a technique that is just a different way of doing that will give that will give me the same answer but in a minute and 15 seconds, as opposed to two minutes, right? And I'm not necessarily working any faster, right? In the sense that I'm not just, let me just rush, 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 rush. Rather, I'm just doing it differently. I'm getting the answer right either way, but one way is getting me the answer in less time. It's almost like, hey, I'm traveling from my house to this one destination. There's this one route 
that's going to take me an hour. And there's another route that allows me to cut through some different things with the side roads or whatever. And that might take me 40 minutes as opposed to an hour. Now, obviously, right, I'm giving you an example and we we want to we want to cut time more than that. We, you know, we're talking about matters of minutes, not hours, right? Like for the LSAT and, and even less seconds. But you, I hope you get my point. I'm taking a different route. And that's why technique is so important. And we'll get into this further, right? But my goal as a teacher is always to give my students superior techniques. And the reason I think that's important is, right, there are a lot of good courses out there, but, you know, that give you decent techniques, right? But you want a technique that you can rely on and that will allow you to process the question more efficiently and effectively, thereby saving time, right? But in order to do that, you have to master the technique. Now, if you're working with me, this is something we would do, but working with me or not, whatever it is, if you've got a technique, you need to master it before you can execute it. So what does that mean? It means I've got to do it untimed first. I've got to do it on time first. Because if I don't master the technique to the point where it's automatic, then I can't get the most out of the technique. When I try to go quicker, I'm just going to stumble and end up either falling back on the old techniques or brute forcing um, or making silly mistakes. But I certainly won't be able to get the most out of the technique. So I've got to do it on time first. I'm going to discuss this in a little more depth. But... Again, I really want you to consider this if you're not doing this. Um, and, and just by way of example, if you ever want to check out uh, episode 24, that's where I interview one of my former students, MK, who ended up getting a 180, a perfect score. And she says the exact same thing, right? You have to do it on time first. And then it becomes a smoother muscle memory movement. And as a result, you'll save time that way. But this is a student of mine who got a 180, perfect score. And she's saying the same thing. So don't just take my word for it. Here's another one of my students who happened to get a perfect score. So if you want to check that episode out, it's PT24. She talks about, excuse me, PT, the nature of the LSAT business. It is episode 24 in my podcast. Um, but Listen to the rest of this one first because we're going to explain why. But if you ever want to check that one out, it reinforces this idea. And we talk about so much more in that episode. So let's talk about in this podcast, let's dig into this a little bit deeper. So the example I like to give is it's kind of like driving a car. And if you're one of my students, you've probably heard me say this before, but it never gets old because it's really important. I'm going to guess that 95% of the people out there, if I'm being conservative, who are listening to this probably know how to drive a car. Now, there's probably going to be a small percentage of you who don't because maybe like some of my friends growing up, you ended up going right to an urban uh, college and then stayed there. And so you never had a need to drive a car, depending on the, the area. Um, whatever. It doesn't matter either way. Right. But I just I'm not trying to exclude anyone who doesn't know how to drive a car. But the majority of you will know. Those of you who don't, try to picture something else that's just as technical, perhaps riding a bicycle or, or um, something else. But let's stick with a car analogy because I think a lot of people can, can relate to it. So when I first started learning how to drive, I remember my parents taking me into the car. And right, it was like I had driven with them as a passenger before, but when you're behind the wheel, it's entirely different. So all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Oh, wait, there's two pedals here but I'm not using both feet. Now, again, I'm talking about an automatic uh, 
not automatic. Excuse me. I'm a, uh, yeah, an automatic. Goodness. Uh, see, we all make mistakes. Even your wonderful teacher. Um, I certainly make more mistakes than most people, but I'm talking about an automatic car, right? I've got two pedals, right? And you might think, this might sound silly now, but I remember back then thinking, oh, gee, I've got two feet. I guess it's one per pedal. No, no. Just use your right foot for both pedals. And then, of course, right, I've got, you know, I've got the, you know, I've got the release things to, you know, take it out of park and, you know, put it in reverse, but I got to keep my foot on the brake. And so there's all this stuff. And if you think about it, when you were first learning to do it, it all seemed very counterintuitive. And there were all these steps to keep in mind. So again, I got to like, I'm only using one foot, even though there's two pedals, I'm only going to use one pedal at a time. And hey, before I put it into reverse, I got to have my foot on the brake the whole time. And then I can put it in reverse. But when I'm putting it in reverse, let me make sure there's no one in back of me if I'm backing out of the driveway or make sure I don't, everyone's clear, right? Because I don't want to hit anybody. And then when I switch gears, I've always got to keep my foot on the brake. And then I got to take it off the brake and then put it on gas. But I always got to make sure I'm looking the right way so I don't hit anyone, right? All this stuff just to get out of the driveway. And I'm sure I'm mixing, missing a bunch of you know, even just adjusting the mirrors, all these little steps. So if you, you're listening to this and you drive, you know, you might be sitting back and laughing a little bit because just like, well, gee, obviously this is obvious to me, but you also might be laughing because you're thinking, oh yeah, I remember when I was first learning to drive. It's like a fish out of water. All the stuff that I take for granted now was so foreign to me then. Just the idea again, right? Like, I've got two feet, but I'm just using one foot on the pedal. Even I'm just using my right foot. Like that just seems so counterintuitive. And you might've been in a situation, probably like a lot of us where you're doing one thing and then the person helping you has to remind you, no, 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 wait a minute. We got to do this first or wait a minute. Keep your foot on the brake before you switch out of park, whatever it is. Oh, remember to look backwards. You don't want, you know, don't look at the mirror, look backwards. Or if you have a backward camera, look at the back, the, the backup camera, right? Like all these little steps. And, and it, it, you know, it, it could probably be frustrating, right? Because you're like, wait, I thought I was doing it right. But, oh, I forgot to do this. And you got someone reminding you and you're self-correcting. That's the process. But look what happens later. And probably not long later. It probably felt like an eternity then. But at some point, all of a sudden, it all, well, not all of a sudden, but it eventually became a smoother process and came together to the point where if you drive now, you know what I'm talking about? Like, this just becomes automatic. You don't get into a car now and think, oh, wait a minute. I've got to do this, this, and this. No, no, no. It's automatic. It's muscle memory, right? And in fact, when I'm describing this to you after years of driving, I have to stop and think, wait a minute, what would it be now? I have to kind of stop and remind myself of all the steps because even though I do them, it's just so smooth and automatic and ingrained in muscle memory that I don't have to think about them and I have to force myself. Whereas back then I had to stop and do that. Okay. So why am I talking about all this? Because it's the same thing when you're learning these techniques. And frankly, it's true about any technique. If I'm going to do, you know, a, a necessary assumption LR question, I've got a technique for it. I got to make sure I know that technique and it's automatic. Right. And it's not like I'm sitting there in the middle of the exam thinking, okay, wait, what do I do here? What do I do there? No, like, I've got to practice it. In order to practice it, I need to practice it on time first. And then it becomes a smooth process. Anything. If it's, a, you know, a weakened question, a strengthened question. If it's how to do in and out games. If it's how to do your basic setup for games. If it's 
oh, you know, uh, how do I, uh, how do I analyze the passage? You want that to be automatic, but you need to practice it on time first. So you do it so much that it becomes ingrained in you, just like driving. And think about this again. Think about driving, right? Again, now it's this slow, it's this smooth, quick movement, right? If I want to back out of the driveway, it's pretty automatic. If I want to parallel park or if I'm driving on the highway, it's it's automatic. And I'm not like slowing down to be like, wait, what do I do here in self-correcting the way I was when I first learned how to drive? But think of it this way. What if you're like, man, you know, when you first learn how to drive, you're like, well, you know, this is taking so long, me backing out of the driveway with all these steps or me trying to parallel park with all these steps. I want to be like everybody else on the on the road. I want to do it quick. This is silly, them telling me to slow down and all this stuff. Let me just hustle and just do everything really fast. Well, that would be a catastrophe. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that when you're learning how to drive or if you're learning how to ride a bicycle. It's not going to end well. It's frankly dangerous. So, because if you did, then you're going to, you're just not going to get everything right. And it's going to be, um, you're going to stumble and make mistakes and yeah, it's not going to be good. Now, similar deal, right? The consequences are certainly not as dire, but similar here, right? If I'm learning a technique, if I try to rush through it, am I really going to remember all those things? Hey, read the question first, do this first, do that first, wait, slow down and do this. I'm probably going to stumble. If I don't slow down and make it a smooth thing that I practice over and over again, the way you get better at it is by practicing it and ingrading it. So it becomes muscle memory. And just like driving, just the way it was taking so long for you to learn how to drive and how to get out of the, 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 the driveway or how to parallel park, eventually it becomes a smooth movement and you do do it quicker, but not because you're rushing through it because it has become muscle memory and it becomes a smooth movement. And I'll make this point. Um, one of my, I love working with all my students. I particularly love working with military students. Um, I don't know why. It's just, it's really cool. I really honor what, what y'all do. Um, but one of my earlier military students, when I was describing this to him, he said this phrase that, that, that resonated with me. He said, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And if you're in the military um, or maybe or not, you might be familiar with this phrase. What they mean by this is, right, I'm going to start off by doing it slow, in our case, on time. Not because I always want to do it slow, but that way I get it done right. And the more I get it done right, then it becomes smooth, right? Because I do it over and over again, then it becomes muscle memory. And then that's how we make it fast. It's not because I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. Because you're a lot, you know, you're you're more than likely to make a mistake. And I think I had this one student who was saying, "Hey, if you want to put together a gun, or if you want to put together a piece of machinery, or lay things out, you do it untimed or slow first to do it right. And then it's like one of those things when you've done it enough, all of a sudden it becomes automatic, and then it becomes a smooth movement. And that's how we make it faster." Not by trying to do it fast from the beginning, but by trying to do it right from the beginning, self-correcting and repeating it until it just becomes automatic. Just like with learning to drive a car or a bicycle. You just do it over and over again, and then it becomes a smooth movement. We're not rushing through. We're faster simply because we've made this technique smoother, and that's how we save time. So the, the whole reason behind this is this is why whenever you learn a technique, it's 
very important you do it on time first. You can introduce a timing element to it at some point, right? But get it right first, because otherwise, here's the other thing. If you rush prematurely to introduce that timing element, then you could very well end up jeopardizing doing the technique properly, right? Maybe you'll end up cutting corners to rush through and you won't have the technique. And it might seem good now, oh, I'm doing a relatively easy question, but if you cut those corners and you're missing, and then maybe you get it right, right? But if you keep doing it that way, you may not be getting the much the, the, the most out of that technique when it counts, when you get to a harder question or when the pressure's on. And that's why it's really important. I would rather you go back, right? And um, do this stuff on time first. Uh, you know, and, and it, this is true. If you think about it, I mean, I gave a, this long analogy with driving a car, but I hope it resonated. But if you think about this with anything, with working out, with sports, right? Like when you were first learning to swing a bat, throw a football, or play an instrument, lift weights. You know, and lifting weights is a great example, right? If I just try to jerk that weight and just, you know, maybe I'll get the rep in, but you know, I, I lose a lot when I don't do proper form. Same deal here. You're short, you're, you're really um, sabotaging what you're going to get out of this in the long term because you need a quality technique that you can execute when you're in those really hard questions and when it really does count. So I hope this has been helpful. The bottom line is I want you to introduce timing by all means, and I want you to do your practice test times. But I want you, whenever you're learning a new technique, do it untimed first. Self-correct. Revisit it. Repeat it. Untimed first. And one last thing, actually. Remember, you want to get into a habit where eventually you're uh, – you may not be like this in the very beginning, but it's a good habit to try to do those regular practice tests, which are timed. So even if you learn your technique untimed, which I want you to do, at some point, you're going to be doing practice tests, which are time. So there's always that element of it. You will be getting them a time there. But again, start on time when you're learning a new technique. It's vital so that way you get the most out of it. And that, in turn, is going to allow you, in turn, is going to allow you to save time in the long run. Thank you for listening. One tip to use your time with this podcast effectively. Take a look at the list of previous episodes. They're named by topic, so you can prioritize your listening based on specific areas where you need help the most. Again, I'm your host, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. Please do subscribe to the LSAT Habits Podcast and share these episodes with friends. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, feel free to reach out to me and check out my website. Again, it's JDLSAT.com. That's JD. LSAT.com.